0: It is so good to be here, I, uh, I feel like we just need to pray, so would you join me before we pray. Lord, as we come to this time of looking into your word, help us to hear from heaven what you have for us today. And more than here, may we behold your grace in the name of Jesus, amen. As is my custom, I like to read the text and today I have a bunch of it. So I'm going to ask you in honor of God's word, if you would stand with me while we read from the sixth chapter of John. The Gospel of John, chapter six, and we'll begin reading in verse 24. John chapter six and verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said, therefore unto him, what signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life into the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will that hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus, therefore, answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the son of man, you drink and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him as the living father has sent me and I live by the father so he that eateth me even he shall live by me This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever." May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. It's a long passage of scripture, and believe it or not, I didn't read all I wanted to, (laughs) all I needed to, in fact. But it felt like that uh, the scripture was very important here. And some of these things, it seems like, was just repeated and repeated and repeated and stated and said. And one of the things that I noticed in in the scripture time and again was Jesus began his statement with verily, verily. Now, some of you know, and, and probably all of you, I don't know, but... Uh, the word verily, verily is actually truly, truly. And when it's repeated, it has the double impact of a trip hammer. Do You know what a trip hammer is? It, it has an initial impact and then another one right behind it. And uh, it, it has the idea that this is very, very important. We come to the message today of I am the bread. And uh, boy, there's so much here. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Listen fast. If you don't listen fast, I'll run off and leave you and say, what did he say? And I'll just keep going. So please be uh be quick on your hearing. And uh, these people that Jesus spoke to were not quick on their hearing. And so I'm gonna begin by giving you some setting information here. I am not going to belabor it. You already know the, the setting that I'm gonna give and it by itself is a tremendous message. They didn't give me that much time, sorry. But uh, the chapter begins, verse 1 of chapter 6, after these things, which things? Well, those things are the fact that Jesus was in uh, Jerusalem, and he had done the miracle at the Pool of Bethsaida, and, and done some healing, and people were amazed at his healing miracles. And then after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, Well, if you know in your uh, studies, the Sea of Galilee is uh, north a couple days journey, maybe three. So a little time has transpired, but when he gets there, gets probably to the town of Tiberius, and Tiberius, I think there's a a slide up there showing you Tiberius, is there at the Sea of Galilee on the west side probably about the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, while you're there, take a note also north from there or up the the map, you'll see a place called Capernaum. And there at Capernaum is where the next event really took place. And that's the feeding of the 5,000. And is there anybody here that's never heard that story about the feeding of the 5,000? Would you just let me know? I'll tell you if you don't know. but. I think you've all heard that, you know about the feeding of the 5,000. Well, actually the feeding of 5,000 is one of two very similar miracles. Uh, The one was the feeding of 5,000, the second event was the feeding of the 4,000. Two separate times, the feeding of the 5,000 appears in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The feeding of the 4,000 only appears in two of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark. And uh, there are some real similarities uh, between the two, but they are not the same event. And so when we uh, are going through this, I want to share a couple of things about these. Uh, The uh, feeding of the 5,000 was done with. Uh, five loaves and two fishes, but the feeding of the four thousand, there was seven loaves and several fish, a number unnamed. Uh, the The difference uh, has some meaning, and I don't have time to go through it all. But uh, let's just—we're going to kind of address the first one because it sets the stage for what I'm going to say later. So. Uh, at the end of the uh, uh, feeding of the multitude, of course Jesus had had them set down companies of 50 and there were 5,000 men plus women and children. So the group was could have been somewhere around 12,000 or more. And so there's a lot of people there. And I was thinking yesterday as we were going through the lines in the hallway to get our lunch. I wonder how long it took to feed the 5,000 or the 12,000 or however many was there. I, I don't think they did it that way. He had them sit down and the 12 apostles took baskets full and basically passed them down the line and it, it was probably just about as efficient as way we, we did it but uh, I have no complaints. I, I didn't lose any opportunity there and I was blessed well. So anyway, the, uh, when they finished the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus told the disciples to gather up the fragments that remain. Interesting note on that that we usually think there were uh, 12 baskets full of fish and bread. <laughs> but if careful reading of the scripture says there were 12 baskets full of fragments, that's pieces of bread. It doesn't count the fish. Now, I think there's a real reason for that, and that is because fish spoil pretty quickly. They were trying to preserve the bread, but the fish, I don't think there was that preservation time allowed for it. But whether it was fish and bread or whether it was just bread, there were 12 baskets full. And it's interesting to note that there was 12 apostles and there were also 12 tribes of Israel. I'm sure that's significant. And I'm not gonna try and spiritualize that, but I want you to note that, that God does everything for purpose. And He doesn't waste motion, nor is He shortage on any item. There was enough for all to be filled. And then 12 baskets left over. Now there are at least seven words referencing bread in the Hebrew language, the Old Testament. Plus there are three Greek words referred to it in the New Testament. And so bread is mentioned At least 492 times in the Bible, more than the gold that was mentioned earlier. So uh, the bread of life is more important than gold, right? Bread was so essential in life and so much a part of their diet that often it was just simply referred to as the sustenance of life. And so bread has a a very major role in the understanding of scriptures. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he was saying so much more than we get. Hopefully I can share some of this with you. For example, when he said, I am the bread of life, he used the term ego me. Now, those of you who are Greek students know about that, and some of you may have run into that, but some of you have no idea. What's ego ame? It sounds like a breakfast. (laughs) Is that my breakfast? Is that what it means? No. Ego is a word that means I, and it's a personal uh, word. It's it's a a primary pronoun of first person. It's not we, it's not us, it's I. Singular uh, and first person. Is not was or will be; it's present tense. The ami, uh, uh, or pronounce "I me," the first person singular present indicative. Uh, anybody English students in here? You'll know all this. The rest of us will say okay, but it is the first person singular. I think that's important to note because. Jesus was not saying, I was, I will be. He was saying, I am. Does that sound familiar? Some of you Bible students will will remember this, that uh, the first account of God identifying himself was when he talked to Moses in uh, Exodus 3.14 and Moses asked him a question whom shall I say sent me you remember what God said I am that I am tell them I am sent me that is so awkward in the English language that it it just doesn't really say much I am. Well there's an interesting thing about names. Moses asked for a name, didn't he? A name is an identification that distinguishes you from someone else of similar, you may be, it may be another male or it may be another female or it may be another adult or another child but your name identifies you personally, your personal identity. Well, when God spoke to Moses, he didn't say, uh, I feel, or I, John, or I'm whatever. He says, I am. God is not known by a name. He is known by who and what he is. He is one of a kind. There is no other God like Him. He is, I am the forevermore. I am who I am. If you want to know God, you have to know Him by His uh, characteristics, who and what He is. And until you get close enough to God and personal enough with God that you know what he's like, you don't really know God. You know of him, but to know him, you have to get personal. You have to know God God for who he is, for what he is. And it's interesting that he says, I am, that's in the present tense. So back when all the world was being created, God is present. It's like a book. And you can possibly identify with this. I can be present in Genesis by opening to Genesis, and there I am, present. And I can be present in the Bible, in Psalms. And I can be present in John. And I can be present in Revelation. God is the I am. He is ever-present all through scriptures. And He is ever-present all through our lives. And He is ever-present help in time of trouble. And he is an ever-present source of strength. He is ever-present protector. He is the I am. And when you know God that way, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You begin to understand God is timeless. There's no such thing as a future and a past to God because he's everywhere present. And that's why he told uh, Moses, tell them the ever present God sent you. He who has no equal, he who has no uh, likeness, he who is the forevermore, he sent you. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, He used the exact same phrase that God used to identify Himself. I am the bread of life. The great I am is who I am. And I am the supplier of the bread of life. I am the essence. Of the bread of life. I am. And the scriptures begin to speak. Who is this I am. From ages past. Living in time we have trouble. With timelessness. But God has no trouble with it. And Jesus had no trouble with it, and he wants us to know him as he is. After the feeding of the multitude, the the crowds followed him, and Jesus explained, he says, "Uh, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. You didn't want to get to know me. You wanted to get what I have for you. So much of the time, we are like these uh, people who were chasing Jesus that we might benefit from him. God is not so interested in benefiting you as he is transforming you. His goal is not to give you pleasure, his goal is not just to get you to heaven. His goal is to make you his child and so transform you that when you get to heaven, you'll be at home. God is in the transforming business, not the blessing business. The blessings are one of the things he uses and he blesses us to help transform us, but he also withholds to help transform us. Everything he does is for the specific purpose of changing you into that child that he is going to be pleased and proud of when you get home. Many of us have spent enough time here on this planet to figure out a few things. What have you figured out God's plan for your life? It's very simple, transformation. So here we are. The I am isn't known by his name, but by his attributes. And in this passage of scripture, John, Has used this phrase, I am, ego, ami, in the book of John 23 times in reference to who Jesus is. Now, some people say Jesus never claimed to be Christ or to be God. I know at least 23 times in this one book he did. He was not confused who he was. The Jews were confused, the world is confused. I'm not confused who Jesus is and you're not confused. So are we hearing? He made some really amazing statements in the book of John about the I am. Let me just share a few of these and I'll I'll, I'll move on. Uh, He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine, and on it goes. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew why he was here. This is the will of Father, that he lose nothing. He has a plan for you to get you to heaven and guarantees it by his own name. And of all that thou hast given me, I will lose nothing. Isn't that good? God loves you and promises you completion. You're going to get there and you're going to be finished. All right, let's move on. Now the three things, that's an introduction by the way. I've already used up half of my time. So you got to start listening faster. Okay. (laughs) There's three things I want to share with you. And when I get those three things said, I'm going to close and and I'll shut up and I'll sit down. But the three things I want to share with you that Jesus said, he says, I am the bread of life. Later, he says, I am that bread. And then he says, I am the living bread. What's the difference? Well, I'm so glad you asked. When he said, I am the bread of life, that phrase is referenced in our passages of scripture here nine times. Now, how many times does God need to say something for you to get it? He said nine times right here, and, and I think he's trying to make the point. I am the bread of life. Now, there's a couple of ways that's important to know. First, he says, I am the sustenance of life. I am the provision of life. I am what you need to be able to live. The uh, reference is made here. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now the hunger and the thirst is understood in a couple of ways. First of all, in Nehemiah 9.15 says, And he us them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou, thou hast sworn to give them. That's in reference to Moses when God gave them manna and when God split the rock for the waters. By the way, in case you didn't know, they found that rock that was split. They know where it is. And uh, so God provided for 40 years manna on a regular basis, a continual basis of supply. Now, if you ever worried about God supplying, go back and reread the story about manna. Well, what was manna? Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he that cometh me shall never hunger and never thirst. Uh, Matthew five, uh, three, or pardon me, 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, we have more than one kind of hunger. We hunger for physical sustenance, but we have another hunger and that's found down inside us. And and sometimes we get to longing for something we can't identify and something that we want, but we don't know what it is and we don't know how to get it. And we don't know, uh, we can't identify it and we struggle with that. And then there is the hunger for God to do a work like has only rarely been done in the past. One of my hungers is for revival. I long to see God do it again. And so the Bible says, He that cometh unto me, Will never hunger and his thirst will be satisfied in the story of the 5,000 they ate all they could eat kind of like they must have been Baptist that's all I can say they ate all they could eat but uh, that wasn't the only hunger they had because they themselves give us this bread that you're talking about they hungered for it too but They weren't willing to meet God on His terms. One of the secrets of knowing God is to meet Him on His terms. I remember as a very young, naive Christian, longing, hungering for God to talk to me and tell me something. And uh, I was so confused and green and ignorant and i went out one time in a thunderstorm when it was flashing lightning everywhere what what you're supposed to not do right and i said to god show me something and i even included in my heart and mind's eye if you need to hit me with lightning i need something guess what happened nothing I wasn't meeting God on his terms. I was trying to direct God instead of be directed by God. If you want to know God, you got to meet God on his terms. And so my hunger was not satisfied there. But when I did meet God on his terms, that was a different story. You don't have time for it. You're not listening fast enough. Now, as we move on, Jesus said, I am that bread of life. Which bread of life is he referring to? He's referring to the experience with Moses when the manna fell. And he told them that uh, Moses didn't give them that bread. My father gave it to them. And he says, I am that bread, the true bread, the bread that comes down from heaven. I am that bread. I'm not just physical bread. I'm not unleavened bread only. I'm not leavened bread. I am that bread which came down from heaven. I am God's as the supply. I took care of a couple million Jews and I can take care of you. That's who I am. And so he made it clear. The reference came down from heavens included here eight times. How many times does God have to say a thing to make a point? And he says, my father giveth you the true bread, the true bread. Well, that is Christ. He's declared I am. The I am is the true bread. That's what God gives you himself. Quit trying to find his blessings and find the blessor. If you have him, you have it all. You don't need something, you need someone. And his name is, I am, Amen. and he is sufficient. But then he also said, I am the living bread. And I get more excited about this one even than the other two. Yes, he's a supplier of life. And yes, he is more than uh, just uh, a goal or a purpose in life. He's the living bread. But when he said it, it it's hard to hear. Listen as we read again. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. Sharks. Flesh which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews, they didn't get it. Therefore they strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? We're not talking about cannibal cannibalism here. And Jesus said unto him, get this. This is a very important verse. Except Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I have seen Christians faithful in their service to God for many, many years, tithers, ministers, generous Study the word regularly. Who are empty and dead. That hollowness. There's something else. What's missing? What did Jesus say? Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. And drink his blood. You have no life. God's life is not being exuded through your experience. What's missing is Christ having His way in you. It's not that you're doing the wrong things or the right things. It's not the doing at all. It is Christ who you need leaving out. You need Christ living in you. If he isn't living in you, what's happening? Nada. And nothing's happening. How long has it been since you had a prayer answered that you knew it was God? How long has it been that you've seen God do a marvelous thing? How long has it been since the joy just welled up inside you and you shed tears? What's your experience? Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Because the Christian's life is Christ living out His life from within your being. When you came to Christ, you died. You gave your life to Christ. True? Amen? You can say it, can't you? And if you're dead, who's that living in your life? Oh, listen. That's where the excitement is. That's where the thrill is. That's where the answered prayer is. That's where hope is. God living in you and transforming you from within so that what comes out is a reflection of him. I don't know where my time is. Somebody give me a cue. I think I'm running over, huh? Ah, I've got five minutes. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) All right. So, uh, if you eat his flesh and drink his blood, then there's some things gonna happen. First of all, you'll have Christ dwelling in you. Uh, there's some scriptures that I'm going to give you and I'm probably not even going to read them, but I'm going to reference them and they'll be up on the board. And if you want to jot those down about the dwelling, the word dwelling is the same word as abiding. It means residence. It, and and uh, there's an interesting thing in the King James and those of you who don't know this, let me just give you this little bonus. I didn't plan to say this, but I think I need to. The E-T-H ending on dwelleth has a very particular meaning. When the King James was originally translated, they all understood. That meant it was in the punctiliar case or the case of continuous action. It isn't that he comes and visits and goes away. He comes to stay. He dwelleth there. Liveth, doeth. Beeth, believeth, they're all in the continuous actions case. And when you read the King James, that'll explode it with meaning. It's not a one time deal. Everything God does is eternal, everything man does is sporadic, temporal. So he dwelleth in you. That's co mingled blood. The Indians used to have a thing they called uh, becoming a blood brother. Uh, their blood intermingled. What you have here is the dwelling of Christ, is the, the coexistence of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then he shall live by me. There is no more of this I want, I think, I understand, I feel. No. If you vote in a business meeting, don't vote what you want. Vote what you believe God wants. You'll find sometimes you don't agree with your vote. Do what He wants. You will live by Him. And again, there's some scriptures. And thirdly, the living bread is He shall live forever. Life without any beginning or end. And you notice I didn't say life with no end. I also stated it has no beginning. Did you know you're older than dirt? You were present in the mind of God before creation was made. And when you become a Christian and Christ indwells you and becomes a part of you, He was there before beginning of anything. And your existence goes back through Christ. And it goes on without end this way. And it goes on without end in that direction, and that direction, and that direction, and that, that, all directions, eternal life is more than you thought. Eternal life is God without end in you. Whew, what a plan. What a plan. God is not trying to just get you to in the sky by and by. He's trying to make you a new creation, his child. Except you eat of the flesh and drink the blood. You have no life, no eternal life going on in you. And so we come to the scripture in Luke twenty six thirty I'm sorry, not not Luke twenty six. In uh, First Corinthians chapter eleven. When Jesus was uh, uh, sharing, or Paul was sharing about the Lord's Supper, you remember that? What are the elements of the Lord's Supper? Well, it's bread and, and the fruit of the vine. And uh, interesting thing about this, he took the bread and he broke it. The bread, he said, that's me. When you take of the Lord's Supper and the bread is broken for you, for distribution, for you to eat. You're symbolically taking of the Lord's flesh because you're saying, Lord, I want you living in me. And I willingly and knowingly represent that in the taking of this bread, that it is your will and not mine. I am once again refreshing this commitment of ours, that I trust you and your work on the cross. You were broken for me. And then when you take the cup and you drink it, it's representative of His blood. The life is in the blood. Leviticus seventeen eleven. that's what it says. The life is in the blood. Well, what is the blood? The blood is the life of Christ interesting thing about Christ when he was crucified before he was crucified he was described as flesh and blood and after he was crucified it's flesh and bone what's the difference well the blood was shed at Calvary that was the payment for sin I take of the life of Christ and I take of the death of Christ I died to the old man I let the new man live in me so the invitation to you is take and eat drink the cup for as often as ye do eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the lord's death until he come and that's a great testimony There's even more to it. The Greek language even brings out that you are a participant in the death of Christ and the life of Christ. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. Laying aside the old man, the old nature, and willingly taking Christ at his word as your all-sufficient I am. Lord, I know you. I know you died for me, but I know you love me. And I know you were sufficient for the Hebrews, and I know you've been sufficient through the ages, and you've been sufficient in my life, and you're going to be sufficient unto the end. I trust you. Let me ask you a question as we close. I wanted to ask this to begin with, but I dared not. Is that hole in your heart? Not because you're not a Christian, but because you're not living. Christians, seniors, one of the most important things for seniors is to don't stop. Rest is in glory. Yeah, you got aches and pains, and so do I. And I've been through a few things myself. But listen, we're not there till we're there. This is not a run three laps, <laughs> this is a marathon, this is a life race. Christ wants to do more through you now than he ever has had opportunity. You've got more time. You've got more resources. I know you don't have energy. It's because you're living on your own. God will supply the energy he needs for you to do what he wants you to do. Trust him. Dare to take the step of saying, yes, Lord, I will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the great I am. And Lord, thank you that I can say, I know you. Lord, may the life that you have for each of us blossom as you live in us. For we ask it in your name. Amen.